And that's where the salesmanship comes into because yes. the more you empower the customer with information, the quicker they're gonna make the decision that benefits both of us. You know, because if I, again, it's solving their problem. You know, that's what we do. We're, we're problem solvers. Problem solvers. Welcome to the Matador Podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of the BusCast. Yes, I said BusCast. We are not in a plane. We are not on a train. We are not in a car. We are on a bus. And I am joined today by my two favorite brother-sister combos. <laughs> I have Al, Big Al, and Tara with me. Guys, thank you for coming out and jamming with me. It's always a blast, Jason. And the recording. I hit the record button this time. We're, all right. Thank okay. you for that. <laughs> Take ten. <laughs> hey, at least at least we get like ten or fifteen minutes into it, and then go look down, and go, oh my oh. gosh, I didn't hit the record button. <laughs> it's happened, unfortunately, it has happened. Uh, well, guys, look, you know I love kicking off these podcast stories with a little origin story because a I'm always fascinated. I mean, no one wakes up one day. I don't know, maybe you guys do. We'll find out. Um, wakes up and goes, yeah, I'm going to be in the car business. Nobody, nobody, <laughs> nobody. <laughs> All right, Tara. So I'm going to start with you, and then Al, I'll get your story. How did you guys get started in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry? So I, I got out of the army in Washington <laughs> State, and I was um, trying to go to school, and I was working as a cocktail waitress, and a group of guys and some kind of cheap-looking suits came in one night, and I upsold the crap out of them all night long, and one guy got stuck with the bill, and he was shaking his head like he was a little bit upset by it. I said, is everything okay, sir? He's like, yeah, if I had one salesperson as good as you, I wouldn't be sweating this bill right now. And I went, what do you do? He's like, well, I run such and such dealership. I was like, huh, you hiring? And I went to work there the next day. No way, really? Absolutely. That is so awesome. <laughs> I'm like, look, I, I'm going to tell you, Tara, I've heard a lot of origin stories. I mean, because, you know, I've done I've done thousands of podcasts and it's like that. It's it's right up there. I'm going to tell All you right, right up there. Uh, the only other one I think I had, I had someone tell me that they, they were going into a building for an interview and they accidentally went to the wrong side of the building and that's how they got it. But that right there, I think is like right up there. That's how we hire most our salespeople. If there's a wrong place, you, there's a desk. Please <laughs> yeah, Nice. Hey, Al, for yourself, how did you get started, man? Uh, it's uh, not as interesting as Tara's, but actually Tara was a part of it. Uh, it was actually, I did outside sales at the time. I sold uh, heating equipment and a lot of the sales work I was doing was a new construction and it was right after 9-11 and a lot of projects that I was working on like the plug just got pulled and like I had no <laughs> revenue coming in and she was selling cars I called her up I'm like you guys hiring and she goes I don't know come meet my boss I went down met him I was working there the next day <laughs> yes, 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 he was. My, my, get the whole family on it. I remember right? my boss looked at me and said, You're, he, He's your responsibility. I'm like, He'll be fine. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. <laughs> you know, guys, I seriously do want to come over to your house for Thanksgiving one day. I just like, I just want to, like, I want to know what that dinner talk is. Um, can, it's pretty is it, filthy. Is it, is it's pretty it, filthy. <laughs> can, can you ever turn it off? I'm just curious. Do you, 
Um, yeah, we no. pretty much command the room, I think. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, we have two sisters, and we avoid them a lot. And yeah, I, I, there's a lot going. Maybe on. We need to get them on the podcast. We, so we can ask them yeah, about you guys. We have a certain energy that doesn't work all the time around other people. No, so. no. <laughs> no. They get into their thing and they start doing, and and then we just you know silently start closing them on what we want to do without their <laughs> of course, knowledge. Of course. <laughs> we we really do treat everything like that. How do we close this? Everything is a close. Everything's a close. Well, that is like a perfect segue into our first topic today all right and look talk about a very timely topic holding gross um yeah look guys we're coming you know so we're coming off the last two years of the best gross our industry has seen i, I as far back as i've been in the business and then, you know i've been this for over 20 years and uh, it's just amazing how that i think has affected uh, our process our people our culture, you know, and now given, you know, the economic changes and, you know, a new influx in, in inventory, you know, it's, it's becoming a challenge. So I'd love to get both of you guys' into, uh, you know, perspectives as far as like, how do we continue to maintain, you know, our hold growth? So Al, I'll start with you and the Terrell, as you said. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, like you said, over the past couple of years, I mean, gross has been through the roof right here. But the thing that we've discovered, especially with doing online sales is, I mean, gross is all about value, you know, and when do people make a purchase? The second the value increases the pr price of the cost. And so that's where gross exists. And so we've, we've discovered that with online sales. And I think that was the biggest fear for a long time for a lot of people is, you know, when the internet first came out, how dare I even post a price out there? You know, it's like, because I don't <laughs> want to give up potential gross. But what we found is by building the value of the experience of when you come to the website, giving the customer what they want and how you treat them, you're still able to get the gross and people negotiating less. That's what we've discovered for sure. No, look, it is. It really is a exchange in, in value, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I think a lot of people might want to argue, well, well the value is, is this. No, value, I think, is so much more these days. You know, I mean, I find, I find customers, you know, they, they, value, they value the experience. And what really kind of makes up that experience is for me personally, this is just for me, is how well I'm known by that brand. You know, do I feel connected? Do I feel known? Am I, am I just another number to them? But, you know, 100%. The, the more I feel known, I don't question. I, well, I think people value their time. Yes. More than Bingo. anything. And so yes. if you're able to make something convenient for people, and, it's, and when I say time, I think a lot of people misunderstand that that means doing something fast. We don't mm. care about fast. We compare about we care about it being convenient for us. Yes, that's what we that's yes, what we that's what we value most of all. And if you can provide that to somebody, the gross will be there every single time. I mean, Absolutely. The, the, Anybody sitting in this bus, anyone during we've all overpaid for something all the time and been happy about <laughs> happy it. Happy to do it. Happy because there was value to our time. Yes. And Tara, for yourself? I, and like, I'm just going to echo that. So, you know, I think people are looking for an experience that their time was respected and valued. That's very important. And that they were transparent. I don't care if you're making money on me. It's okay that you make a living. Exactly. But be transparent about it. Don't be dodgy and shady. And when you put your prices right out there for everybody to see and you're proud of them and you explain that this is what we're getting when you buy from us. Mm -hmm. Right. And we're going to make it easy for you to do. And we respect you and we value. And to that point of sale, where if you you get to pick up, this is a big part for me when we're talking about the online experience. Mm -hmm. They're not, not necessarily always buying the entire vehicle online, but I better be able to pick up that experience where I left off when I did all that work online. Don't make me start all over. Because nope. that's not being respectful of the time. That's not valuing my time. And now I don't feel like I owe you what you asked for because you didn't deliver on what you promised. 
No, and, and look, it, let's talk about the promise, right? Because I, I think we're, you know, this is kind of a good segue going into, you know, kind of that next met, that next uh, topic of ours is around that right message. And, and, and I hate to say it, you know, um, there are some dealerships that do amazing jobs of identifying their promises and really kind of keeping them too. And then I find there are some promises that are more marketing promises <laughs> than maybe anything else so you know let's 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 get into you know the messaging right you know which is perfect segue because this is what holding growth so what we've talked about so mm-hmm. far is just it is it is about the messaging right like we can't have amazing value propositions within our dealership but if we're not able to execute on that message at the right time in front of the right person it just falls on deaf ears so you know Tara, i'll start with you you know like right message right time how do we kind of express that value i think that's different for every dealer yeah, good whether point. you're a large dealer group or a smaller dealer in a very mm-hmm. rural area but i think what the right messaging always has to be about is honest own who you are warts and all right so give you an example not auto related i belong to what they call a country club we don't have tennis courts we don't have a pool We have a golf course. We're not a country club. It's a golf club. (laughs) And they need to learn to own that and be proud of it. So if you do something really well, but you are a little embarrassed that you're missing the other factor, don't be. Own what you do well and that what you can promise to deliver on and make that your message. I think people appreciate the authenticity of that and it transfers through when you message yourself in a way that this is who we are. And we're okay with, with the stuff we don't have. And then you're always going to be authentic with people. And I think that's mm. the most important thing is your clients and your consumers know that you're authentic and you are exactly what you say you are. hundred percent. And I, I see how that comes so easy for you. <laughs> right. For as long as I've known both of you, you are exactly who you are. <laughs> no well, one's ever going to change it. But you brought up a good point there, too, is the big biggest problem that I that I struggle with right message, right time is again, it's, it's more marketing fail failure than anything right there. Yeah. Because like I can go out and I could spend millions of dollars in marketing, but if our people aren't aware of what that message is mm. and they're not delivering that experience. So it's like, whether it's a direct mail email, it's, you know, retargeting, whatever it is, that phone rings and whoever answers that phone doesn't know the message. It's for nothing. And it's, and again, going back to valuing people's time. You know, how many times have I gotten a flyer that I'm interested in and I call on it and you call the business and they have no idea what they're talking about. And that's a problem we have in automotive all the time. And I deal with that all the time. It's like if it isn't communicated all the way down and it's not even communication, it's buy-in. There you like, go. Hey, we're doing a buyback event. That's the big thing that everybody does now. But if you call the store and you get a salesperson who says, oh, that guy just wants to sell his car. I mean, that happens. Anybody listening to this knows that happens in their showroom every single day. They don't treat it like an opportunity. They're like, oh, that guy's not serious. He just wants to sell his car. They're forgetting all the money you spent to get that call to come in. Exactly, <laughs> and, exactly. And so it's one of those things. And I think as an industry, and I, again, I kind of go against the grain every once in a while, we get so focused on right message, right time, that we forget about the pure power of branding. Because if I'm, if I'm trying to hit yes. you at the right moment, I might not be getting this guy over here because we think that's not the right time for this person, but let me push this guy into the market instead of, marketing to him when he is in the market you know sometimes we need to do that and that's a big part of branding is pushing people to be ready to go i think a lot of people over the past three years have forgotten how important that branding 
position is because they didn't have inventory. They're mm -hmm. making a ton of money, yes. right? So all of this was happening. And now what we're going into three years and nobody knows who you are because all you've got is bottom of the funnel, pay per click, yep. click this VIN, but they don't know you from Adam. And talk about states like Texas, mm -hmm. where we are right now, or Florida, where I live, thousand people a week for over two years moving into those areas. That's hundreds of thousands of people who have mm -hmm. no idea who you are. And, and look, I, the more, the, the, I guess the better I am at understanding who you are as a business, all right, I will just lean that much closer into ultimately doing business with you. But I think some dealerships really, I think, kind of struggle. Some do a great job, but I definitely think there's a, a good majority of them that still really kind of struggle of who they are. They all know what they do, yeah. all right? They got a 30-foot sign out front that says what they do, okay? They, they move metal and they service that metal, and then that's the brand that they're supporting, right. all right? But why they do it, the way they do it, for me as a consumer, that is what I'm interested in because I, you know, that 30-foot that sign out flag that you have out front, there's probably a, many of those in my market, and I can choose any one of those Nissan or those GMs or those Mazda stores, all right? Why am I choosing you as a consumer? I, I want to know you and hope in returns that you'll get to know me, yeah. but I want to know you first. But I feel dealerships struggle to identify that. What advice would you have for dealerships that are looking to really help identify their why? Ooh. Well, I mean, I can just go from experience in like some of our stores. And the biggest thing is just having a driven leader in your store. Mm. And all our top performing stores have a general manager in the store who everybody on their team knows exactly the direction they want to go. And you can feel it when you walk in there. It's like, hey, these people, this what this guy is telling us to do or this girl telling us what to do, you know, and this is why we're doing it. And again, and they explain it continually. It's not one of those things where it's like, hey, we just sent a memo out. Did you get the email? No, it's like every single day we talk and say, this is why we do this. This is why we answer the phone. This is why we take care of the problems. And they understand that. And all our top performing stores, they know that from the top down. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I find it's also little things, you know. It's the little things that I think kind of will ultimately end up kind of adding to that bigger kind of why. It's like, you know, why do I answer the, f the phone the way I answer the phone? Why do I check in the customer the way I check in the customer? You know? It's, it's funny you say that because I actually spend more time training our receptionists than our salespeople. Dude, it's important. Because Super just important. just teaching them. It's like, I mean, if you're the first person to answer the phone, you're the first impression. You know, it's like you explain, you ask people for permission to put them on hold. You don't just place them on hold. Just, I mean, small details. But I, and I found when I started doing that, we started selling more cars. <laughs> we that works. Start from a place of grace, right? right? So, and and graciousness. And I think a lot of people forget that in the, our world today. But if you tell your people to always start from a place of everyone is coming from a place of good intent and be gracious, mm -hmm. be gracious to people, it goes a long way. I mean, one of the first things you learn when you get in the car business is people buy from people they like. It's the simplest concept that we tell all the sellers, but to Al's point, without the proper leadership, without the proper training, it doesn't transfer from the top down sometimes. You can have the people, if you don't have the process in place, Correct. it's never actually gonna get done. Yeah. Exactly. So when it comes from the top down, like Al mentioned, that's critical. Mm -hmm. No, I, I remember uh, <laughs> I remember the story as we're talking. Um, my sales guys really got upset with me uh, for, for, for a good solid month because I was getting overly frustrated about maybe some of the tonality I was listening to on some of these sales calls. And they think that will you know, upset they, you. 
Don't don't listen to calls. And don't listen to them when you're in the car. Oh don't man, yeah, I've right. Almost, I almost drove <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> off. But but to me, I maybe maybe it's me. I get caught up on on little things, but but I think little things are so bloody important. So things like tonality, uh, things like the language that we use, mm-hmm. right? And and so this is what I did. <laughs> they hated me for this. All right. Every time the phone rang, they were not allowed to answer it if they were sitting down. I like that. They it's had to one. be standing up. I like that. It, 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 created, it created this posture of readiness and your tone, if you just even listen to yourself, right? Like my tone, even if we're sitting down right now, if I stand up right now, my tone will change yeah. in just a warmer version. You know, I actually have to mentally make myself known even when I'm sitting down because it's so easy to go, yeah, hey. Thanks for calling. Yeah, what? Are, how are you doing? What are you? What are you looking for? Um, it's a tone. Anyways, I everybody in our stores are getting nervous that you just told me that. <laughs> well, I even changed like some verbiage I use. Right? Yes, let's get into the verbs. I love language. Oh, so yeah. I, I've eliminated "but" in a lot of my conversation because "but" negates everything you said before it. Mm-hmm. Right. I like the one you taught me. Unfortunately. Yeah. As it turns out. You never say unfortunately. Never say the word unfortunately. No. As it turns out. As it turns out. <laughs> That isn't available, but can I, I can show you this that you're going to like equally as well, and let me yes. tell you why. It's weird. I never use that word ever again. No. No. As it never. turns out. As it turns <laughs> out. <laughs> as it turns I'll out, actually that's not think a, good way a sentence go. out in my head before I speak. I'm like, oh, no. Okay. As it turns out. But, but it is. It's language. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think it's committing to the language. It's committing to those little things. You know, you know I, I read a lot of Google reviews you know, when I'm consulting with dealerships, right? And you know, it's so funny. You read through these Google reviews. It was never one big thing that made that experience amazing for them. It was just one little thing that made that experience for them. And I remember this, um, I, I was staying at a hotel, Trump Towers, I know. Um, but I was staying at the Trump Towers and made the reservation. And I thought it was funny, a question that they asked as I was making the reservation, they asked for my license plate number. I'm like, okay, it must have something to do with their parking, right? So I pull up, I pull up, never been to this hotel before, open the door, Welcome, Mr. Harris and Mrs. Harris. How are you today? We are so excited that you've that that you've chosen us. Oh, do I have a? Yes. I'm looking for a badge. I'm going. Do I did did I put some on side the outside of the car? And it, it took me a little while. And then the funny thing, it even went into the lobby. So I realized after they take our bags, they had radioed in that Mr. and Mrs. Harris is just coming into the lobby. I walk in. Someone goes, "Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Harris." I'm like. What the hell is going on right now? I'm, I'm seriously, do I have it on my back? Yeah. Do I have it on my back? It was a little process, a little process of collecting data. And then as they came in, they were able to read the driver's license and pull up my name. But that little tiny process, holy cow. Yeah. That made that experience. And I see that a lot in Google and uh, the Google reviews. It's never one big thing. It's something they did or something they said or yes so what's well, like you know sales 101 it's like you know it's like shake the hands of the children when they come in you know it's like don't ignore them you know just don't talk to the parents you know but you said just those little things and you look at those google reviews i don't know how many times you read that it's like oh the salesman was so gracious he gave a coloring book to my child you know little things like that there we go. it's just i mean it's just again you yeah. said it earlier you're just being gracious to people well and i think this is a perfect segue into our into our last topic today around salesmanship and does it exist anymore <laughs> you know I, I think you guys got all kinds of thoughts on this one so i'm gonna let tara start us off with this and then i'll follow up with you well i will say from my personal opinion salesmanship has been on decline well before covid yes i agree um 
the moment that we felt that instead of making our salespeople better, we needed BDCs because they were going to actually get the people to come in mm -hmm. um, because our salespeople weren't getting that job done anymore. Um, it, it, it just even made them more just staring at the door. And then you come into now COVID. Now they think they're fantastic. <laughs> they think they're amazing and they've been making lots of money, right? And doing really, really well. And literally nothing to do, get it, right? So I think there's gonna be, some of it might be good mm -hmm. because now as things change, you have an opportunity to rebuild what sales might look like yes. and to get a more new spirit of how salesmanship should look. So that's, I think, might be a positive that comes out, out of all of this, that it might be able to turn it on his head, but it's gonna be a little bit ugly for a while because right now we know with inflation and everything else, sales are gonna slow down and I feel, I think, and maybe you already are, you're gonna start feeling it. You're gonna start feeling that lack of salesmanship that you have on your floor. Well, and the point you brought up, you know, it's like years ago we did that. Instead of teaching our people how to work harder, we just started outsourcing stuff like to BDCs to do everything for, for people. So salesmanship has been on the decline. But I also think with the focus on you know, the buzzwords for the past, what, forever years, you know, online sales, you know, that we think that salesmanship doesn't exist right there you know and we and we've discovered with with our digital retailing source that I, we still get more products per on an online sale than we do in the showroom uh-huh because we still put the salesmanship in in the tools and giving people again going back to their time making things easy but i don't see salesmanship in our stores like it used to be i mean i watched this woman sell <laughs> a black van to somebody and told them it was blue of course it was. It was blue black. Yeah. That was the blue, name of the color. Blue black. Blue black. <laughs> blue black was the name of the color. She well, goes parking in the shade. I showed him both sides. I showed him that when it was in the shade, this side, it's black. But, but when the sun shines on it, it's like a midnight blue because the car stouts out with a black coat. Yes. And then they put the gel coat over it, which happens to be midnight blue. The point is, it. the point is, is. But the thing that we've noticed with online sales, again, it's still a small percentage of people do that. That most people still want to interact with people. They want to interact with a salesperson, and we still need to teach salesmanship as opposed to order taking. And that's yes. kind of where we've gotten with everything. And you know, like the thing I tell our people all the time: stop listening to people's words and listen to their message. When mm -hmm. somebody comes in and says, "Hey, you know, it's like, you know, I want a new F one fifty. I don't want my payment to go up. I want my payoff for my trade, and I don't want to put any money down." All I heard was you want to buy a new car, <laughs> yes. you know, don't pay attention to all these details, you know, and so we get so focused on all the little words. Stop listening to the words, listen to the message and help them solve their problem. But you know what? It's, it's funny is I think it's easier now to have great salesmanship than it actually ever has been before. Oh, yeah. Look at the data that we have. Right. I mean, I think, you know, some of the some of the best salesmanship I've seen. All right. At the core of what they're able to execute is is this experience where the customer just really feels connected and known. And, you know, we have more technology and more data now around that. I mean, you, you were talking a little bit about your DR tool or your online yeah. online retailing tool. All right. Look, I have more collected data now. All right. On that customer before they come in or anything. I mean, I can really cater and customize this experience on everything I know about this customer before they even show up. It's not it's it's not like how it was when we started, where it was like, so what are you looking for? Um, a truck. Oh, OK. Um, long bed, short bed. Yeah. Crew cab. <laughs> no. You know, no. Well, <laughs> well, going into the data right there, too, and it's like 
in, in the stores and especially in our stores, they're doing it really well is, you know, when when I started selling cars a little over 20 years ago, there was always this fear of giving the customer too much information. Mm-hmm. And it's like we the more we drop that fear, the better off we are, because, again, that's where the salesmanship comes into, because yes. the more you empower the customer with information, the quicker they're going to make the decision that benefits both of us. You know, because if I again, it's solving their problem. You know, that's what we do. We're we're problem solvers. Problem solvers. You know, and give somebody. I and I always use the example. It's like choose your own adventure book. You ever? Yes, I love those. You know, so it's like I'm going to keep giving you choices. You know, but obviously the choices are going to be beneficial for both of us. You know, but I'm going to empower you to make those choices. I'm not telling you what to do. Right. You know, just kind of like here you go. You know, it's like how much do you want for your trade? Great, I have three tools on my website, you know, <laughs> but I'll let you fill them out. Yes. I'll let you fill them. I'll let you do, you pick everything. <laughs> or we can do it together, right? Yeah, like we can do it together, whichever way you want. See, I look, I, no, but you're right though, guys. Like, there shouldn't be any excuse for not having salesmanship. Um, because of the tools that we have and the data that's at our hands. And to your point, I, I, the books, I love them, right? As a kid, okay. You know, now you're like, my kids are on Netflix. And they have yeah. interactive. Yes, I've watched some right? of those. Where it's like, okay, is he, is he going to go through the jungle or is he going to climb the mountain? And it's a, and they, then they'll go back and they'll go back. And it's just like that creates it, that experience for them. And we have the tools. We have the process. We just need to get the people to connect those dots. I think those people are out there. I do too. And just like always, they're the rare person. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have, they're not going to be the masses. But I think with the way that it's being changed right now and the way we do business with things like the virtual assistant being more prevalent, it's going to start attracting more of those people again. And you're not going to necessarily need as large of a sales staff anymore. So you can focus on just those people who really do have that in them. They're out there. That's a great point. And that is almost like a whole nother podcast topic in itself. I love that. We could definitely go into how many people do we really need? Look, as an industry, I know I'm totally going down a rabbit hole. I have a tendency of finding those. Okay. But I mean, our industry, for the longest time kind of had this motto of just just throw another body at it we just need another body just find someone with a pulse and that's not the case anymore at all well it i I, i'll say right now i've said it a hundred times the only difference between buying a car right now and buying a car a hundred years ago is how many people you have to talk to Oh, oh that is so true it's the only thing that's changed how many people do i have to talk to to accomplish this purchase that is so true when our father sold cars it was one person. Isn't that funny? We're going, we're going to like a full loop. It was around, a single right? point. It was a single point of sales. Yep. And we're getting and we're getting back there. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Look, guys, I know we're towards the tail end of our uh, time today. I could easily jam a lot longer with you guys. Uh, but for but before I let you guys go, though, for everybody out there watching and listening right now who would love to connect with you and kind of follow along with your guys's journey. What, what's the best way to do so? Uh, probably for me, LinkedIn. Yep. Yeah. LinkedIn as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me today. This has been a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jason. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for tuning in to the Matador Podcast with your host, Jason Harris. Be sure to check out the full podcast library at matador.ai to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe.